the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a look at the grace of God to one man and the gospel of condemnation and comfort. That's all straight ahead on today's edition of Way of Grace. And again, welcome to today's edition of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan back in the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 6, also spending some time in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, chapter 9, Isaiah, 2 Peter, Acts. We're going to range around a bit as we begin closing out the week in our look at Genesis chapter 6 and the Arise, Move, and Go series with today's title, In Times Like These. We start off today looking at the gospel of condemnation and comfort, and just exactly what Noah was preaching. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. We learn how people will turn on each other, and they're actually blood brothers and sisters. Don't tell me the heart's not wicked. Put enough pressure on the heart like the devil said to God about Job, touch his flesh and he'll curse you to your face. The only reason you would not do it is if God keeps you. Am I making some sense? The only reason you wouldn't turn and stab your brother in the back is if God keeps you. Is if you're used to confessing that you are a sinner and that you're broken by nature and that apart from the grace of God, there go I. If you're not talking like that, you're already trapped by the devil because he's got you deceived thinking you're good. And you haven't come under the pressure yet, but it's coming. So many of our Jewish brothers and sisters were shocked when they found out their own kinfolk would sell them out. And then some of them making it out of the Holocaust said, I'm ashamed. Now you see how Peter was ashamed. Don't tell me you won't do wickedness. Don't tell me you won't hurt your brother or your sister. You will if God doesn't keep you and train you to love righteousness. Train you. Train you. God has to train us. Doesn't he? Not just keep me. Train me. I'm under somebody's authority. Train me to love you, God. Train me to love people. Train me to do good. Train me to operate out of counterintuitive principles. Help me to be able to function in a way that I don't just impulsively do what I want to do. Because I'll hurt somebody and I'll destroy your glory. And this is why God said, I'm letting my hand off of him. And that's what he's doing. Letting my hand off. Point number two, the grace of God to one man. Do you see point number two? Let me touch on this. It's good. I'm I'm, I'm where I want to be. The grace of God to one man. I love this. The reason we were going through the book of uh, Judges and we'll go back and we'll we'll start right. We'll pick right back up with my brother Samson. We will. I promise you. Pastor, why did you stop dealing with Samson? Samson's in a precarious situation. Yeah, brother Samson's stuck. He's stuck. Is he stuck? Yeah, he's stuck. 
He got his head on the lap of a chick. He's stuck right now. I get it. I, I totally get it. I, I totally get it. But it's going to be all right. It's gonna be, he should have rose, moved, and went. But it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I promise you, Sebjan is still in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. He's going to get his head up out of that lap in a minute. But he should have listened, shouldn't he? Because you know the Holy Ghost was telling him like the Holy Ghost tells all of us. Samson, really? Really, Samson? I know she cute. Really? You got a job to do, brother. We're going back there. Point number two, the grace of God to all kinds of men. Is that what it says? Read it. The grace of God to one man. I want to highlight a principle and then show you what we're dealing with with our brother Noah. One of the reasons why we were counterintuitive with this foolishness over three or four years is because I understand how God works. God never delivers his people through a multitude. He never does. He never does. He never does. And almost any time a society is being given up to levels of wickedness that are equivalent to what we're dealing with in our text, and we are, he raises up one man. That is your biblical model, right? He always raises up a man, raises up a man, right? That's the fundamental pattern. And that's because God doesn't need many to save. But every time he raises up a man, that man points to the greatest man, and his name is Jesus. So Enoch pointed to Jesus, and Noah is going to point to Jesus as well. Like Abel pointed to Jesus, and all of us should be pointing to Jesus. All of us should be a John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. Do you hear me? You're wasting your, I don't care where you are in your life situation, uh, your, your interactions with human beings, your business involvement. Your job, if you are a healthy believer, is to look for a door that opens that allows you to tell men and women about Jesus. And while you're doing that, don't mess up that opportunity by raggedy life. And while you're waiting, don't mess it up by raggedy life. Right. So this is what we're learning, right? Follow peace with all men and holiness. For without holiness, no man will see God. You show men and women that you have a priority of commitment to God. Y'all got taught that. You don't, you don't let people think you're available to do anything, anytime, anywhere. It's not true. God called you for a purpose. And 24 hours is too short in a day for you to be willy-nilly and here and there and everybody else's impulsive frivolity. That's what Peter says. Time out for us to continue in the gratification of a Gentile life. We used to do that. No more. So when people are inviting you over here and inviting you to do that and do this, yeah, yeah, you got to ask the Lord, is that okay? Lord, is that okay for me to do? Is that okay? Or is, am I wasting my time and yours, God? Am I making some sense? All right, so it's very important for you to know that the grace of one man is this beautiful thing that we find over in verse 8. Now, notice what this says, Genesis 6, 8, and then I'm going to read verse 9. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you see that? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Children of God, we're still out of bird's eye view. We're still out of bird's eye view. So let's interpret this from a top-down hermeneutical grid. 
God is looking down on Noah and finding that Noah becomes the one person that he can actually tell what he's up to. Did that come home? Noah becomes the one person that he's going to explain to what's really going on so that Noah is clear. And Noah's already clear he's in the godly line, isn't he? He's already clear that we're dealing with a culture that is corrupt. He's already clear on the gospel. He offers proper sacrifices. He's clear on his need of a savior. What he's not clear about is the contemporary eschatological schedule. For those of you who don't know that, eschatology means the study of end time things. Noah is an end time prophet. The world is about to end as they know it. So God is explaining to Noah a timeline. He's explaining to Noah the conditions of the world. And he's explaining to Noah his assignment. In times like these, he's explaining his assignment. Does that make some sense? So Noah is now being brought near to do several things that's going to be by way of application what you and I should be doing. If God is looking down on 8 billion people, Shouldn't he be able to find a handful of men and women that are willing to work with God in his plan? Shouldn't he? Right, because God will never leave himself without witness. And remember, God always has a godly seed in the earth. But they're never the majority. They're always the minority. You have to know that. The path is always narrow. The gate is always straight. And it's only few in any generation that walk that path. Now, don't put a number on that. Don't don't put a number on that. Understand the equational inference of that. Understand that it's going to always be a little flock in, in God's perspective over against the world. Listen, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All right. That's what Luke said. In other words, whenever you're operating for God, you're going to be a smaller community. Okay, so at one point it was Abraham against the world, him and Sarah. We've been through that series. I love it, right? That is your original Bonnie and Clyde. That's, that story will come through. That will come through very clear. It's really true. Abraham got down, got down, and so did Sarah. They knew how to deal with dirt, and they made it to the problem. And then they had 12 sons, and those 12 sons were knuckleheads, weren't they? with the exception of, of, of Joseph. And yet those 12 sons negotiated the world. And then God raises up Moses. There you go again. And now Moses and Aaron and Joshua and a few others have to take 1.3 million people and go through the wilderness. And they're fit to be tied because that church was a bad church. Am I making sense? I could go all the way up to the New Testament. So when Jesus talks about saving, he never tells his people to buy into the false comfort of numbers. God can save with many or few. The issue is whether or not you and I actually can see through the fog of war to the person and plan of God and be able to consistently stay committed to that plan until God clears the fog up. Because he does do that. He does do that. The fog is going to clear up after the water settles and abates in Genesis 9. But we're not there yet. So under point number one, there are three sub points I want to basically underscore. The text tells us here in our um, 
Ninth verse, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, that means righteous. And Noah was perfect, that means mature. I want you to comprehend those two words. Don't misinterpret the term perfect as being impeccable or flawless or sinless. It's not true. He was mature. So that should be where you and I are. The first one is what we call imputed righteousness, our righteous standing in Christ. This is the reason I pray the prayer that I do. Thank you for your imputed righteousness. I stand in Christ and because of Christ's righteousness, I'm right with you. Now, when we deal with perfection, we're dealing with maturity. And so as a child of God, I want to grow in maturity because when I grow in maturity, I'm growing in experience. And when I grow in experience, I'm growing in discernment. And when I grow in discernment, I can make better choices. We must all grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord. We must all desire the sincere milk of the word that we might what? Grow thereby. We must. This is no option. So God takes a man like Noah and says he's going to be the one that's going to lead us into the crisis. Remember what I taught you? We don't have hope in an escape mechanism. We have hope in the resurrection. So what you're going to learn is a grand resurrection motif next week, okay? You're going to learn it. But let's press into Noah just a little bit. What makes Noah unique to me is not only that he's justified in the righteousness of Christ, not only is he a mature man at 600 years old, which would have been twice the age of, of Enoch, and, and only uh, two-thirds the age of the elders who are at 900, so God can mature you even at a young age. This is all about how you and I manage our time. If you waste your time, you will never mature. You've got a lot of old folks that's just infants and crawling and slobbing spiritually. Am I making some sense? Old folks crawling and slobbing. And then you've got a few of them that are teenagers. And, and they're a little bit problematic because they should be more stable. They're running around jumping on all the furniture spiritually. And they, they should be walking in order. They should be walking in order. And so what we have here is a call to understand the uh, qualifications of Noah. He's a just man in God's eyes, righteous. He's mature in his generation. And Noah walked with God. So let me show you a couple things here. This is a principle in scripture. We saw this with Enoch back in chapter 5, verse 24. Enoch walked with God. Is that what we saw? Enoch walked with God. And the text said it twice. And what we learned in Hebrews 11 about it was that God enjoyed fellowship with Enoch. Because as we're about to see, walking with God means cooperating with God. Walking with God means cooperating with God. Enoch cooperated with God. And what we know about Enoch in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he was a preacher of righteousness. But he also was a family man. That means he ran a business. That means he raised kids. One of his most famous kids is Methuselah. Please understand then that when we are called to bear witness to the glory of God in any capacity that we do, we can still be a multitasker. Did that make some sense? Right. Get education. I'm putting asterisks around that today. I really am. I don't want to get distracted. But education is going to cost you your hide today. I hate it with a passion. The notion that our kids have to go through that meat grinding system. And most of them are lost. 
And, and we, our only hope is that there was an anchor of grace attached to them so that over time God tolls them out of the delusion of this world system that they have bought into. But my eyes are wide open to the absolute treason of education today. Treason against the glory of God. Treason. So I'm in a perplexity like a lot of you because I, I had my grandchildren set up to go to college. I'm, you know, the grandparents, store up for the grandkids. Go to college. Get an education. Run the world. I'm about to change my will on that. <laughs> I'm going to instruct my grandkids to be entrepreneurs. I'm going to tell them they they can educate themselves and be better educated by educating themselves and getting with people who actually know how to do education better. Did that make some sense? I'm so burdened there. We're just all complicit with the same system that's destroying our kids. And I remember what the Deuteronomic Code told me. I remember what it said. You raise your children yourself. You don't give them to the pagan because they will turn their hearts. I remember what the code says. And this is America. This is a, America is the product now of a secular education for the last 200 years. All right, I'm done with that. Walking with Noah. This is something God has called all of his servants to. Genesis 17, 1. Listen to what God said to Abraham. So Enoch walked with God, right? Noah walked with God. Listen to what God says about Abraham. Now, Abraham was 90, 90 years old and nine. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Abraham would have known what that meant. He would have known that God was his protector. I am El Shaddai. I am the big-breasted God, metaphorically, the mother hen that protects her little ones. I'll die for you. I already told you. He said back in chapter 15, verse 1, I am your shield and exceeding great reward. Is that right? Now Abraham's 99 years old, and this brother has been some, through some trials, hasn't he? And here he's, he's on the cusp of not seeing the promise. But is God a liar? Can God fail? Will he change? So he has to come to Abraham because he knows Abraham is weak right now. I told you God doesn't run from his people. He runs to us. He'll help you. He told Abraham here, Abraham, you keep walking with me. Do you see it? Walk before me and remain mature. That's a beautiful thing when you hear a word like that, when you've been walking with God since you were 75 years old. Now, y'all do the numbers. I know you went to uh, public school, but do the numbers here. How many years is it? 24 years. You know what happens over 24 years when you walk with God? You go through a lot of trials. You have a lot of ups and downs. But if God keeps you, you mature. But there will be times even after 24 years, I've done almost 40. There will be times even after 24 years, as it was the case with, with uh, Abraham, that you will be really questioning, did I even hear from God? And this is what, I, this is what I'm talking to you guys about, what, what it means to understand the intermediary work of the angels and how that you can call on God. Call on God, because the inference here is God, uh, Abraham is calling on God and God comes to him. You can call on God in the time of trouble. Am I making some sense? But God's going to tell you to keep walking with him 
So let's look fundamentally in our outline at what this means to walk with God. So I can move on to my last point and close. So point A, it's a call to cooperate with God. Would you agree? How can two walk together except they agree? Right. And so the Bible runs this through constantly. But may I say this? God is the first one to start the walk. I love it. I love my God. See, God's been walking with us since the Garden of Eden. In the cool of the day. Even when we were running from him, he's walking towards us. And I love it because God's walking. He's not running. He's not anxious. Where are you going to go? This is his world. So he's just going to take his time and come on up right where you are. And he's going to talk to you and say, where you at? And a lot of people, this is where they are right now, running from God, but you can't hide. God's calling you to stop and be honest with him. And he took Adam and Eve and turned them around and told them, now y'all walk with me because I'm walking with you. I'm not going anywhere. Y'all walk with me. I love God for that, don't you? Blessed is the man that walks but does not do this. And because he walks in the counsel of God, he shall be, she shall be, they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, right? God's able to make all grace abound. Would you agree with that? He's able to make all grace abound. And it's nothing like being a man or woman that walks with God. Because he becomes a shield for your mind. Now I'm not telling the truth. He becomes a shield for your heart. He becomes a shield and you need a shield because the enemy is shooting darts at you. And you need a shield because his goal is to knock you off your course. That's what's going on all through the text. Now, now, now you're going to have to thank God for what God did in calling Noah into this massive enterprise because it's going to take the grace of God for Noah to continue doing what he does for a hundred years. And no one is going to join him. You won't see anywhere in the seventh chapter after it's laid out where the throngs of people are saying, Noah, can I help you? Can I join you? We see what you're doing, Noah. We see God's hand on your life. We actually believe the report. Can we help you? You won't see it. You won't see it in his family. I'm talking this is extended family, brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts. Did y'all get that? You won't see it. For a hundred years, from his 600th year to his 700th year, Noah is going to be arising, moving and going, not geographically, but counterintuitively in a business model that's going to be so contrary to the thinking of the world that by his very obedience to Christ, he's going to be offending people every day of his life. Did that make sense? Point number three. Point number three. Actually, under point number three, point number two, the counterintuitive enterprise. Let me just state that, affirm that so I can move on. Verse 14, God speaks to Noah this way. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shall you make in the ark, and you shall pitch it within and without. I'll talk about that in a moment. Look over at verse 18. Are we there? 
But with you, Noah, will I establish my covenant. And you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wife with you. Do you see that? Now, Noah, has, God has already told Noah, I'm going to destroy all flesh. Everybody dying. Look at verse 17. And behold, I, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy some flesh. Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die and everything that is in the earth shall die. What an assignment. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.